because he had walked with Jesus for years. And the Apostle Paul did a similar thing with Timothy. Timothy was a young leader in the church in Ephesus, and Paul wrote him a couple of letters. You're probably familiar with them. They're in the Bible, First and Second Timothy. And Paul used these letters to give Timothy instruction. In 1 Timothy 1.18, it says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Then he goes on, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Then in 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Now, Timothy's responsibility and our responsibilities, from, according to Paul, are cling to our faith and keep our conscience clear. In other words, we need to hold on to what we believe. That's our faith. And then we need to keep our conscience clear. That's, you know, work on not sinning, you guys. Now, that's a pretty good synopsis of the Christian walk, isn't it? But then we are instructed, first of all, to pray. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is prayer. Now, I want to talk a little bit about our culture, okay? The world we live in is pretty secure for us. That's not true for most people in the world. We have what I call a, a low-need culture. We have lots of wants, but very few needs. Think about it. Food, housing, clothing, transportation, check, 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 check. They're covered, aren't they? We're not lonely very often. We generally have family and friends. Some of you have struggles in some of these areas, definitely, okay? But not in most of them. We live in a safe environment. We're not worried about a bomb landing on us or a war starting. If we're sick, we go to the doctor or we go to the health clinic. We do things often without even thinking about praying about them. Our lives are like a treadmill. One step in front of the other. And we can predict almost everything that's going to come our way. Then the quarter changes. We adjust the incline slightly, and we take off again. One step in front of the other. Unfortunately, when we are on a treadmill of life, we don't pray very often. We don't feel like we need to pray, so we don't. And then we do things in our own strength. And they often turn out okay. We also assume that God's going to bless us, and he's going to bless our plans. Been there? Done that? Lots. In fact, when my husband was diagnosed, we were shocked. In fact, I had been talking to a lady two hours before, knowing he was going in for the test for Lou Gehrig's disease. And I told her, he's not going to have Lou Gehrig's disease. I'm sure of it. God's got a job for him to do, and Scott's not done with the job yet. This is not going to happen. I thought I had faith, but you know what? I really had an immature naivety towards life's major heartaches and heartbreaks. We just assumed things were going to be fine. Our children picked that attitude up from us, and they were even more shocked. My daughter screamed. She screamed, No! 
That does the, not the kind of thing that happens to our family. My other daughter was in school at Fuller Theological Seminary, and she went up to her prof one day, and she said, my dad loves God, and he's given his life to serve God. God said he'll bless us. How can this happen? And the prof was very kind, and he talked to her, and, and he says, well, where in the Bible does it say that if you love and serve God faithfully, that bad things won't happen to you? And then he asked her, he said, what about Job? So often we think we're trusting God and we assume that all is going to go well with it. But there's one big drawback to that. Think about it. If God takes care of everything, then why would we need to pray? And why does he ask us to pray? In actuality, God has purposefully limited himself. Think about free will. He gave us free will. He lets us reject him. It's our choice. He doesn't make us choose him, does he? Now, he set things up to partner with us, to work with us, to accomplish things. He loves to answer our prayers. Fair friend, she's an intern here. She was talking to me on Wednesday, and she goes, my one-on-ones this quarter are amazing. I just can't believe them. They've been so wonderful. And inside, I just got all happy because I'm sitting there and just laughing because I'm going, Vera, what did you do last quarter? And she goes, quizzically looking at me, I'm going, Vera, the Lord gave you a heart to pray for your one-on-ones. You've been praying for your one-on-ones faithfully every week. She writes down stuff. She has a, a report that she has to fill out. And so I, I get to read all the stuff she's doing, and I'm going, she prayed like crazy for her one-on-ones last quarter. You know, that is such a good example of partnering with God. She prayed and God answered. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't intervene when we don't pray. He does many times. He does what he wants to do. But other times, it seems like he waits for us to pray. And unfortunately, we often don't ask him for his help. Now, This is kind of a hard one, but think about this. In a way, we're taking his assistance and his help for granted. Woo. That's not what we want to do, is it? Now, we all do pray in certain circumstances. When we really want something, we pray. I won't ask you, but if I did, I bet you most hands would go up in here if I said, have you prayed about a boyfriend or girlfriend? (laughs) sometime in your life or a future spouse you know most people pray about that don't they okay we also pray when bad things happen even non-christians pray to jesus when bad things happen why do we pray at those times because we're motivated we're highly motivated but what about when we're not motivated now why aren't you motivated? It's not unusual for Christians in America to not be motivated. And then we feel guilty. Okay, you guys, you ever felt guilty about not praying enough? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you probably have. Okay, now, okay, you know where um, they'll flip a card up and you'll say, you know, what word does this bring to mind? So, you know, if you say hi, they'll say low. If you say black, they'll say white. Okay, if you say prayer, you know, it's like, uh-huh. 
you know, <laughs> and then maybe guilt will come up, okay? Um, when you hear a sermon, people are talking about prayer, you know, people kind of, mm, mm, you know, and I want to tell you something, and, and I'm kind of excited about this because it's not been too long that when people say prayer now, I don't respond that way anymore. And I'm going, wow, this is cool. I don't feel guilty anymore. And it's not because I have this terrific prayer life that I'm going to say, this is what you need to do. And you guys do it just like me because, haha, that's not true. Okay? <laughs> you know, you guys need to find what works for you in prayer. Okay? And I'm going to talk to you tonight about just what prayer is. Okay? Um, now, that guilt does motivate us to pray to a certain extent, doesn't it? Okay? But that motivation doesn't last for long. But there's a better way to be motivated. And I want to mention that the love of God for you motivates you to prayer. Now, think about what's motivating you. Okay? Are you motivated to be a good Christian? As a good Christian, I should do this and this and this and this because this is what you're supposed to do. Or are you motivated by people, by your parents, by your former youth pastor, by your CORFA, by your friends, by the CCF staff? Or are you motivated by God's love? Do you long to know God better so that he can use you in his power and help you to accomplish his will here on earth? Do you choose to act in love because God first loved you? Do you serve because of all he's done for you? Do you do things because you want to be his hands and feet? Do you want to see the power of God use you to change others' lives, to change our world, to change Western? Being motivated by love sounds a lot better than by guilt, doesn't it? But how do we get motivated by God's love? God will often woo us to himself. He likes to draw us into himself. And it's like he speaks sweet somethings into our hearts. Now, I read Psalms regularly. Most days, I'm in the Psalms. And I read them slowly, and I ponder what's being said. I will often pray the actual words in the Psalms, or I'll be reading a Psalm and it will remind me to pray about something. I also find that when I'm reading scripture, something will jump out at me and touch my heart. Okay, you guys, many of you have probably had that happen, you know? And it's like, what? what's going on there when that happens? You know, we can't explain it, but it's like our spirit goes, aha, that was God. God's talking to me. <laughs> Now, Wednesday morning, this happened to me. I was reading Psalm 139, verses 5 through 7. I've read that lots of times. Has it ever jumped out at me before? No. <laughs> but it did on Wednesday morning. <laughs> and it was, You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Now, I've read that lots, but here's what God said to my heart that day. He whispered to me. It was like I was just all of a sudden, it was like God was right there, and it was like, you know, Julie, 
I care for you so much. I'm with you right now. I'm always going to be with you. And I'll always pursue you. And I just sat there and I'm going, wow, this is God Almighty, like the big guy. And he's talking about being with little old me sitting here at my kitchen table. And it was like I was full of wonder. I was full of thankfulness that he would care that much about me. It was so encouraging. And it was like, God, you are amazing. That was God loving me, expressing his love for me. And what does it make me want to do? Talk to him. (laughs) Get to know him better. It's him wooing us in. When God's love motivates us, that motivation lasts forever. Now, I want to take a moment and look at what prayer can look like in our lives. Okay? Think about how you get to know someone. You talk to them, don't you? You ever been around people that um, don't talk very well? They cannot listen to you? Like, okay, I know this is true for a lot of guys, and in my family it was so true. It's probably true for some girls too, but okay, the sports are on the TV, okay? And you go to talk, and it's like, hello! I would do this really literally. Hello! Are you there? (laughs) You know? And I was like, just a minute, just a minute. Okay, and I would wait and and wait. Hello! (laughs) Are you there? You know, it was like, you know, my husband and my son both just spaced out. My son-in-law is that way. One of my son-in-laws is that way, too. (laughs) It's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious, okay? And then I know at least two people who don't take a breath when they're talking, or so it seems. I can't figure out when they breathe. Because they talk and 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 my daughters probably know who I'm talking about because they know them. <laughs> and I'll go, I'll try to squeeze in a word every once in a while. And I only get like so many words in and then they start talking again. And I'm going, okay, this is a very ineffective conversation because there's no listening going on. And we do that with God. We get so involved in our activities that we don't make time for him. Or all we do is sit there and talk to him in prayer, and it's all about us and our needs. But we don't really listen to him. It's important to do both. We need to talk to God, but we also need to listen to him. And listening is a huge part of prayer. John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. God really wants to spend time talking back and forth with us. Now, when I was your age, we were a little crazy, okay? (laughs) It's at the start of CCF, and we did some interesting things, and one of the results is that I was afraid to listen to God because of some of the crazy things we had done. I was afraid he was going to call me to Africa, I was afraid he was going to ask me to do something crazy. Now, 
I changed a little bit on that because I failed to understand that if God does ask us to do something that's a little bit out there, he goes with us. He does it with us, and he helps us. He gives us the strength and wisdom, and lots of times he gives us a desire to do it too. But we also need to have discernment, okay? Sometimes the crazy ideas or crazy things we do are just our thoughts or even the enemy's thoughts. But God does sometimes call us to the unpredictable, and it's not unusual for him to call us to be isolated for a time. I've been there. And here's what happens when you're isolated. You're very lonely. And it's really hard. But your relationship with the Lord really grows because he becomes your best friend. You talk to him, you share your heart with him because there's nobody else to share your heart with. Okay? And that's where you really learn to trust him and to look to him for strength and direction. Now, you're going to make mistakes when you listen to the Lord. Okay? I was a sophomore in college, lived in Gamma, part of Beta Gamma. And I heard the Lord. I prayed and said, Lord, if you want to heal my eyes, help me lose contact. And so I lost contact two days later. I'd never lost contact before. Oh, God wants to heal my eyes. Yay! So I threw the other one away. And then, you know, it was like, well, if you have faith for something, you know, you just you, you proclaim it. And so I started telling everyone that God was going to heal my eyes. And so I told my family, I told all my friends, I told non-Christians, I told Christians. I prayed a lot about the Lord healing my eyes. After six months, I went and got new contacts. <laughs> now, bear in mind, you guys, I didn't have glasses either, okay? So I wasn't seeing well. For six months, okay? <laughs> it was those contacts or nothing. So it was nothing. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> one of the things is that I tried to figure out how to hear God on my own. And I didn't really ask any mature believers for their input. We didn't have a lot of mature believers at that point in time who were there to help us, but I could have found somebody to ask their opinion on, and I just didn't. My advice is please be wiser than I was, okay? <laughs> now, what happened was I lacked discernment. I just thought I heard something from God, and I plowed ahead. And I didn't really think, is this really God speaking to me, or is it me, or is it the enemy, or was it just circumstances? but I happened to lose a contact. I didn't really look very hard for it the day I lost it, by the way. It was just like, oh, boy. <laughs> no. So <laughs> now, <laughs> um, discernment comes with practice. And here's what I would advise to you. Get confirmation if you hear something from the Lord, especially if you know, you're not sure about it or if it's controversial at all. The first thing you want to do Check it out with Scripture. If it doesn't agree with Scripture, it's not God, period. I have run into a lot of people over the years that have heard from God things that are not scriptural, and they're sure that God has said them. And it's like, duh, you know, how could you think that? But, I mean, literally, you do. You know, it's, it's, 
you'll run into it maybe sometime in your life, but yeah, I'm supposed to divorce my husband and marry that person over there. You know, I mean, just and weird variations of that will come up and all kinds of other stuff that it's like, you know, that's against what the Lord says. And when you tell them that, they're not about to listen to you because they've heard from the Lord. So you want to get confirmation. Ask other people their thoughts and opinions on it. I especially want to encourage you to ask older, mature believers or leaders to get confirmation for you. Proverbs 11.14 says, there's safety in having many advisors. I love that verse. And you know what? I still get confirmation often. Don't I, Jessica? I ask her opinion on things a lot. Okay? Because I'm kind of going, hmm, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think, Jessica? Because <laughs> I want advice. Okay? I want input from others. It can be humbling sometimes to ask for input if they said, nope, you're out to lunch. Okay? You know, and they might. But it's well worth it to not make a mistake. And the third thing is look at the circumstances. Okay? Common sense. If somebody comes up to me now and they're saying, you know, I think I'm supposed to quit college. And I go, when are you graduating? And they go, in June. <clears throat> you know, unless the Lord sends the lightning bolt down very strongly, I'm just going to say, no, I don't think that's the Lord saying that. Okay? So it just doesn't fit into circumstances. You'd be amazed how when the Lord says something to you, he can open circumstances. Okay? One time... My husband, and this was, this was the weirdest one of all in my whole life, okay? My husband and I left here, went to Central to be campus pastors in Central, at Central. The Lord had spoken. It was very clear we were supposed to go over there. Three months later, my husband came in, came in one day and he says, I think we're supposed to resign. <clears throat> I'm going, no, 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 circumstances do not go with this one at all. <laughs> you know, this, this can't possibly be. And, you know, so we prayed and prayed about it. And, you know, we're just going, oh, Lord, this, is this you? This is weird. This is, this is out there. And I finally thought, you know what? If this is really the Lord, then we have to have lots of confirmation. And so we basically said, the guy, the pastor of our local church, he has to say this is from the Lord. And then the guy who was over us, in our organization, you know, he was like out of uh, Kirkland. He had to say it was of the Lord, and then his boss had to say it was of the Lord. Because it was like, there was no way we were going to take a step like that without huge confirmation. And so we went to the pastor, and he goes, this is really weird, but yeah. And went to, went to the next guy, and he says, I would have never said anything like this before, but I think this is what the Lord's doing. And it went on. And we resigned after three months. And to this day, okay, I... I have a really hard time telling people that story because it's like, this couldn't be the Lord. You know, it just couldn't be the Lord. And it's humbling, you know. It's very humbling to tell that. But we sought confirmation. We sought confirmation from our leaders, you know. Am I 100% sure? Absolutely not. I don't think I'm ever 100% sure on anything. Now, <laughs> last week, Jonathan said that we can all be missionaries wherever we live, and that's very, very true, and we need to. But I want to talk about what that might look like. What does a missionary's life look like? Now, I want to look at professional cross-cultural missionaries who are often overseas. They can be examples for us. Think about it. 
their lives are often very different than ours, aren't they? They've left family, friends, possessions. They've often given up a lot of creature comforts, comforts, and they willingly take risks and step into hard things. I was just in Sri Lanka with our Sri Lanka trip, and Therese was there. Therese left CCF way back in the 80s, went as a single woman when she was maybe 27 or so to Sri Lanka, and in five years, she had a children's home, and she had taken in 17 foster children as a single woman, and then she met her husband. Imagine, you guys, imagine meeting your future wife, and she has 17 children. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) This is a miracle from the Lord. (laughs) But I think, wow, how could she, how did she even do that? Okay? And then they got married, they had three of their more, three more of their own, and then they must have adopted five more, or not adopted, well, they adopted one, but took in, you know, as foster children, and adopted five more onto that. They had 25 children in the end. It's like, wow. Okay? Missionaries really get off the treadmill, don't they? Big time. Yep, big time. They willingly take risks. Some of them are venturous. Some of them are crazy. (laughs) Okay? But many, if not most of them, have heard God calling them to missions. And they have a passion for missions. And he's given them that passion. They are also highly motivated to pray. Why? Yeah, they're desperate, you guys. They don't live in Cush City like we do. <laughs> they need God to intervene every single day. So they pray. And we can be more like them. You, too, can step out of your bubble. Bubble button. Yep. Okay? Step out of our comfort zone. Get off the treadmill, it's a good thing to do. Why? When you do, you'll cling to God and you will pray. We'll need God daily. Sometimes we'll need God minute by minute. And when we're on our treadmill, we often don't realize that we need God. We know how to operate on our treadmill. We think we can do it on our own, and many times we can But, and this is a big but, what would happen if we prayed more? If we're as successful as we are with the little amount of prayer we're doing, what would happen if we prayed more? Now, tonight, I want to encourage you guys to step out and start talking and listening to God a lot. Have a conversation with God also known as prayer, regularly. I'll tell you, I find that God asked me to step off my treadmill quite often. Four years ago, I guess it was probably five or six years ago, Brady asked me if I wanted to come back and work with CCF. Now, I had to hear the Lord on this one. took me a while, a year and a half or so, before I heard the Lord. But think about it. I'm older than most of your parents. And you know who I hang around with? You guys. (laughs) It's really weird. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> you know, I encourage all old people to hang out with young people. <laughs> you probably wouldn't like it very well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's like, talk about getting off your treadmill. And I look at my friends and I'm going, oh, look at what they're doing. How boring. <laughs> You know, and I'm really happy I'm doing what I'm doing, let me tell you. (laughs) But when you step off your treadmill, it's often scary. And sometimes it's hard. It's definitely usually challenging, but it's often exciting and fulfilling. That's what working at CCF has been for me. Now, true story, you guys, this is my first time speaking at Friday Night Fellowship. I think Taylor, wherever you are, Taylor asked me, how come? And I told her she'd hear about it during the sermon tonight, and that's what you're going to hear. I'm very content not being up front. When I was interviewed for this job, I said, you know, others can do the public speaking. I, you know, I'm very content not doing that. Some people really want to get up front. That's not me, okay? I, I'm really comfortable behind the scenes doing stuff, but... A year and a half ago, the Lord started knocking on my heart. And I don't remember how it happened at this point, but he said, I want you to be willing to speak up more. (laughs) And then, you know, a little few months later or so, there it was again. And probably by the third time, I'm going, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you, and I know that it's important for me to obey you. So the answer is yes, I will do that. Okay, so I just, I determined it, and then I didn't hear anything anymore, and I waited. But when the opportunity came for me to speak, and I was asked to speak, which was last June, they asked me to speak tonight, I said, yes. Now, guess who's prayed a lot since then? (laughs) I'm serious, okay? (laughs) Um, I'm out of my bubble. I do public speaking, but not on spiritual matters. That's my big bugaboo there. Because I'm just going, what if I say something really, you know, not right? You know, or, or it'll be awful. You know, I mean, I, all of those kind of things. That, that was my concern, you know. But the Lord, you know, he gives you comfort, okay? But, you know, you guys, on my treadmill, you know how some treadmills will have a screen that, you know, it's like you're running up hills and doing those things? Okay, you know, so there's my treadmill, you know, and it's got this nice little screen there. But on that screen was never speaking at CCF. No, uh, not on Friday night. Uh-uh, nope, that wasn't on my treadmill at all. Okay? But God spoke to my heart. So I got off my treadmill. He was asking me to do something for him. And with that asking, I knew he was going to help me. And he would use me since he had asked me to do it. Now, it's been a good thing that I've been desperately out of my comfort zone. Now, do you guys ever feel like you need to pray more? Probably, huh? I want to encourage you to step out of your bubble. Get off your treadmill. Think of Peter. He's sitting there in the boat. Lord, sure, Peter, come on out. So Peter gets out of the boat. How would you get that one? I don't know. <laughs> you know. So he gets out of the boat, and then all of a sudden what happens? 
he starts to sink. <laughs> Lord, help. Okay? And Lord helps him and gets back in the boat. Okay? That's a really good example of what happens to us. Okay? We step out. Sometimes, ah, help, Lord. Oh, he helps us. Okay? When we step out of our comfort zones, you're going to have a lot more conversations with God because it's risky. And sometimes you'll fail, but God will be with you when you fail. Failure is a part of life, and he actually, I think, it's a good thing to learn to be comfortable with failing every once in a while. It's part of life. Okay? Some of you stepped out of your bubble in the last couple of weeks. You applied to be a Corfa. You're not sure if you can handle the extra work. Or you probably don't feel qualified or think you're not spiritual enough. But you stepped up to the challenge. But is it missional? Yeah, it is, you guys. You're going to be reaching out all year long to Christians and non-Christians. Okay? You're going to be tra- training others how to reach out. It's one of the best opportunities to be a missionary on your campus. Kudos to you for stepping out. Now here's a stretching thought. God can also ask us to step out of our prayer bubble. Here's one that I probably talked to a few of you about. Are you open to receiving the gift of tongues? Oh my goodness. That's a hard one. I know it's a hard one. And you know why I know it's a hard one? Because I wasn't open for about four years. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no. That's not for me. That might be for other people, but that is not for me. But I'll tell you what. I am really glad now I changed my mind because tongues has been super helpful for me in my prayer life, like super helpful, big time. Okay? Or maybe you know somebody who's sick and you've been thinking, oh, I should pray for them. That's kind of weird. What if they don't get healed? Well, we don't pray when, just because there's a guarantee something's going to happen. It's scary. It's scary. What about the Lord asked you to pray for a miracle? Something really big. In 1972, when CCF started, guess what, you guys? We were praying for all kinds of crazy stuff all over campus. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. And then God was doing stuff. Well, why was God doing stuff? I think it was because we were praying for all kinds of crazy stuff all over campus. Did it always happen? No, definitely not. Okay? What if God gives you a message to share with somebody? Mm. I think that I need to tell that person that. Or what if he gives you something to share here in front of everybody? Ooh, it's getting harder, isn't it? Okay? Or how about this one? You have this heaviness or this huge concern or worry about somebody or something. You're anxious. It makes you feel ill at ease. You know something's wrong, but you don't know what to do about it. So often we go to our friends and talk about it. And then we'll go to another person and talk to them, or another person and talk to them, or another person and talk to them. When often what God wants you to do when you feel that way is to go to him. Because what happens when we go to our friends, gossip is not unusual for gossip to happen. I think so-and-so is doing this, and they shouldn't be doing this, and what do you think? What should we do about it? Then he comes to you like that, say, let's pray right now. <laughs> okay? And seriously, that is what you should do. 
and you pray, you guys, that, that heaviness, that worry, that anxiety, you pray until it goes away. And then if it comes back, guess what? You pray until it goes away. <laughs> and if it comes back, then you pray until it goes away. Okay. Yeah. You can say, hey, I got a real heaviness for somebody. Will you pray with me? Or you can say, not their name, and say, this is what I'm praying for, but for some person here, you know, and then get them to pray with you. But just be careful to not, you know, share gossip, because sharing gossip and talking around like that will make that burden much less. But we're not accomplishing anything. You know, we're, what, I, I'm just getting nowhere with that person. I heard that this week from one of my corpus, and I just looked and smiled at them, and they go, supposed to pray, huh? I'm going, mm-hmm, Yeah. <laughs> Now, I have a question for you to ponder this week. What is God calling you to step into? Has he been whispering something to your heart? And if you have no clue, then I suggest that you talk to God about that and get desperate to hear from him. That's a good thing to be desperate for. I think a lot of you really want to know God better. You want to, to talk to him more. Now, maybe tonight you're sitting here and you're feeling that, oh, yeah, you're a little guilty about your prayer life. You realize you're motivated by guilt to pray because that's what Christians are supposed to do. Or maybe you're motivated to impress other people who are watching you. Then God is inviting you to be motivated by a loving relationship with him. Maybe you're not feeling big need for God. Maybe that treadmill is really comfortable. You're doing your own thing. Things are going well. Hmm. But I kind of sense God might be tapping me on the shoulder to step into a deeper relationship with him. Hmm. Or you might be wanting to say yes to following him for the first time. Those things are happening. God's speaking to your heart and inviting you to listen to him and follow his lead. Maybe you've been listening to the influence of others rather than seeking God's opinions, and you need the Lord to help you with discernment, to find those wise people that can help you with discernment and check the scriptures out and look at circumstances, all those things. Or you might just want more of God. You want to spend more time talking and listening to God. And in a minute here, if the worship team wants to come up, okay, we're going to pray silently, and they're going to play for us. Pray, they will play quietly for us in the background. But while they're praying, I would like us all to just start talking to the Lord, and the first thing, let's, let's just talk to the Lord individually and ask him for forgiveness, okay? Just for forgiveness for whatever he's laying on your heart. You know that, Lord, maybe we've been ignoring you, or maybe I've just been talking to you too much. Okay? Tell him where you're at. Tell him if you're operating out of guilt or if your prayer life is too complacent. Tell him if you want to become his follower, Tell him if you've been influenced by others instead of him and ask for that discernment. Tell him if you're eager to learn more about him. So I'd like us to spend the next four or five minutes just in conversation individually with the Lord. Okay? 
pour out your heart to him. Then the last couple minutes, you want to just sit and be quiet and listen.